electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Right now on Vast, Amazon getting crushed. A miss on sales, brutal guidance for the all-important holiday quarter, inflation and the dollar taking a toll. The conference call just minutes away. But Apple, it's holding in there, beating on the top of the bottom lines, coming up a bit light on iPhone sales and services. Can investors breathe a sigh of relief for this one? Plus, a major meta miscalculation. The once mighty social media giant now a shadow of its former self. It's lost more than a Tesla in a year and is now smaller than Home Depot. Still, Mark Zuckerberg is sticking to his metaverse mantra. Is this hubris or a courage of conviction? And later, maybe you can swallow your social tears with a cold bud, quarter pounder, and then just get on your tractor and ride off into the sunset. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money. We're live at the Nasdaq market site on the desk tonight. Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. We start off with another big night of earnings. Our team of reporters standing by with the very latest. Christina Parks Nevelis dialed into the Intel conference call. Julia Borson focused on Pinterest, Big Beat. Steve Kovac listening in on Apple. We start off with Deidre Bosa, who's got all the details on Amazon. The stocks drop, by the way, taking it out of the trillion dollar club at this point in the after hours. Deidre, what's the latest? But all focus is on that Q4 light guide in terms of revenue um, for that all important use out of the all important holiday season. Uh, CFO Brian Olsalski telling me just moments ago that they saw moderating sales growth across, quote, many of our businesses in Q3, and he expects that impact to continue in the fourth quarter. Now, that was certainly felt in cloud computing, AWS growth dropping to 28% year over year. That's the first time it has dipped below 30% plus growth in at least six quarters. That's what I counted. Olsalski, the CFO, also said that AWS customers, they're really working to cut their bills as they feel those macro pressures. The ad side felt the slowdown as well. And the consumer at large, though, he said that the U.S. consumer is holding up better relative to those in Europe. In terms of cost, Mel, he said that there was a solid improvement in productivity, but not as much as they had planned. He said that there is still a lot that they have to do to drive that cost efficiency. So expect to see further improvements in the quarter ahead. That includes moderating hiring. Uh, but, Melissa, remember that Amazon has already been on this drive for efficiency this year and appears that that still isn't enough or they haven't been as successful in doing it, which is sort of felt in that operating income guide uh, that starts at zero and ends at $4 billion. Back to you. All right. Deidre, thank you. Deidre Bosa, Guy Dami, what did you make of this? What a dramatic drop. I mean, how many big cap tech companies will drop this much in just minutes. I know one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's yeah. more We've and more common them. these days. <laughs> so now Amazon is in the cut in half club since it's alt, which is remarkable. The quarter, not great. Operating margins, 2%. A year ago, 4.4%. Not great. But all right, you know, we understand the environment. The guide was a disaster. I mean, operating income between zero, that means nothing. Thank you, Guy. And $4 billion with the street coming in around 505. I mean, that shows zero clarity whatsoever. So you have zero confidence that margins are going to get any better. And Amazon is a margin story. And at this price now, Amazon is effectively the same price it was 
It hasn't moved in five years, effectively, which is remarkable when you think about that company and how important it is. But when you say disaster as it relates to guidance after a quarter like that, after underperformance in the stock over the period that we're talking about over the last year, you got to say to yourself, well, there's kind of got to be a silver lining as it relates to the company. I don't think people are going to kind of wholesale move away from this story here. I think there was a lot of people who thought that that low near 104 that we had a couple months ago might have been it. And if you take the chart all the way back, you know, to Guy's point, you know, you kind of have a level maybe down at 80 bucks. That's the, 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 the pandemic low or so. And so when you have really bad guidance, you have sentiment that was really bad. You have hate selling. I mean, you kind of probably if you want to own this thing for years, you could start dollar cost averaging in around 90 bucks. And it probably doesn't go much lower than 80 this year. It, it comes back to AWS. And if you think about this business, we've been giving away the rest of the company when AWS prints a, a 28 handle um, when people are expecting 31. And, and it's not like Meta, but I'll just say this. You know, we had eight or nine years of Facebook growing ad growth 40 percent. We've had many years of AWS going well above 30 percent. You start to see these numbers. People start to re-question everything, even though I don't think you're supposed to do that with AWS here. But again, where could you, you could have bought this stock back in August of 2018 at these levels. It's a much bigger company. It's a much healthier company. And it's a company I think they can pull back on spending as they talk about. I think they have a lot more control over profitability. Uh, but after two unprofitable quarters to be telling you, that next quarter we're going to be, you know, around that same place and it's not going to look good. But it's so remarkable, uh, you know, about this drop in the after hour session. It's not just the size, but but the idea that Microsoft, right, already forecasted weak Asia, right? Mm -hmm. So we we already had that glimmer of of cloud could be weak. We had Mm -hmm. the glimmer of advertising can be weak. And yet again, we see this huge, massive drawdown Yes, on the same news again. On the again. same sort of thing. Right. I think, though, there was probably still some hope that AWS would actually be okay. I mean, right. We talked for a while about, is the rest of the business worth zero, right? And then AWS is all the value. And so you really want that thing that's doing all the value and has way higher, way higher margins to beat. And so a little bit of a miss, that's really not great. It is interesting. So it's down again on the same news. I don't know what would turn it around right now, but I, I don't put that much into their guidance. They've, they've, they've never been great at guidance. And I think, you know, why not be as conservative? Actually, you know, I'd, I think nobody should be in the guidance business. They didn't see this coming. It happened halfway through the quarter. So I, I, it's, not the, it's not the guidance, I don't think. I know that's what the stock's reacting to. But to me, it's AWS. But this has been a series of disappointments and underperformance relative to its big cap peer. So at what point do you say, you know what, it, it's time to end my connection to this stock? I mean, as yeah. you pointed out, right, It's it's been what? You could have owned it at 20, in 2018 at the same levels mm-hmm. as now. It's been an underperformer relative to its peers since the beginning of the pandemic. It's just it's been disappointing on a relative basis. So why why here? Why hold on? Well, because, well, well, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, we should have been talking about that a few weeks ago, clearly. But why at this price hang on? Because I think to Dan's point, now you're starting to price in anything that can possibly go wrong from 185 down to 92 effectively has been priced in. And if you think the world is going to somehow get better, inflation is calming down, it should all play into Amazon, specifically their margins. Karen's right. I mean, don't put a lot of stock in the guidance. Maybe I put more in it than I should. Maybe they shouldn't give guidance at all. But they're forecasting a pretty lousy quarter again. So they're obviously being punished for that. But at this price, and the same thing with Facebook, by the way, we said it last night, you know, now's where you're getting in, not getting out. Right. But for Facebook, for some people, they're questioning. So you're saying that maybe now is the time to be in Amazon. Mm-hmm. But yesterday night, you said 
no, you feel worse about the Facebook story than prior to the earnings. So there is a difference in the two stories in terms of how they should be perceived and what they're pricing in, despite the drawdowns that we've seen. But you know who's not pricing it in yet is the street. What did we see today? We saw the street price down uh, Facebook, Meta, anywhere from 25 to 55. Morgan Stanley cut them in half. So what are they going to do to Amazon? And this is the analyst committee. We're not picking on the sell side. They have a very difficult job. Um, Dan's brought this up, though. There's too many buys out there. There's too many people that, that actually have just passively said, hey, this is conservative and this is growth at a reasonable price. And in Amazon's case, relative to itself, as we say often, as I do at least, it is cheap, but it's not cheap, especially if they're not profitable. All right. The conference call gets started in about 23 minutes from now. Um, We'll keep track of that. Let's turn now to Apple. That conference call is underway right now. Steve Kovacs got the details. Steve. Hey there. Yeah, just kicking off. And I want to kind of break down right now, Mel, despite those beats on the top and bottom line. I want to talk about the segments within Apple and some of the pockets of weakness we saw in there and kind of explain what's going on here. So iPhone revenues, yes, they were up 10 percent. But Tim Cook telling me, look, demand is really through the roof for these iPhone uh, 14 Pro line. They can't keep them in stock. Now, this only represents about eight days of iPhone sales, but you can see where the trend is going there. Um, On Mac revenues, just a huge jump there, thanks to those two new models that launched in the quarter, up 25%. And by the way, that's also a signal the supply chain in China has eased up a bit and made it easier to produce those. Last last, uh, quarter, Tim Cook told me they couldn't even test the demand on their Macs, and and now they're up 25% iPad was down 13%, but that's because the year ago quarter, they did not have a new iPad models. Those were actually launched uh, just a couple days ago last week. So um, it's going to be a little bit of a different uh, comp there. And then services, that was a miss, a disappointment there for a lot of people talking about that right now. Um, Only up 5%. And look, the story there, Mel, all foreign exchange. But despite all those weaknesses and those headwinds, Mel, they were able to beat on the top and bottom lines. And that's because of cutting costs. And I asked him, Cook, specifically about that. What costs were you cutting? And here's the quote. Here's what he told me. He said, quote, we are hiring deliberately. And so we've slowed the pace of hiring and we're going after cuts and our savings into commodities. And what he means by that last bit, Mel, is uh, some components like memory chips are actually getting a lot cheaper since demand across the board for smartphones and PCs are falling, so prices are going down for those components, Mel. Um, I just want to clarify, Steve, in terms of the services miss, you said it's entirely due to FX? Not entirely, but largely, and also okay. a weak ad market, they told me, too. The, the same headwinds that we've heard from uh, Google and Meta about a weakening ad market, that's part of it, too. And gaming. Gaming is a lot weaker, too, they said. All right. Uh, Steve, thank you. Keep us posted on what goes on in the conference call here. Apple in the after-hours session. I mean, this is basically a win. Well, <laughs> well hold on. We, have, we don't know the guidance. And, and so that's, that's coming. Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, l- l- and it can't be great. Let's be frank. I mean, you think about all those headwinds. So that's going to come out um, while we're doing this show right now. Just say this, you know, for mid single digits earnings and sales growth. And he just said that really important part about the services, even if Pricey. it's 5% and currency is a large part of it, yeah. it's not more than 5%. So we're not talking about mm-hmm. constant currency, double digit, um, you know, growth on services. So to me, I don't know why you'd buy this thing. I don't know why it's down more. And I suspect whatever they give in the guidance, I don't think they're going to be guiding up. And so to me, you know, the trade's 21 and a half times this uh, fiscal year. Well, I mean, if services is the engine of growth, services is theoretically where consumers might cut back, right? So you look for a slowdown in services first when you're talking about a slowdown in consumer spending. And here we have a little tiny bit of it. Maybe enough to sort of... I don't know if the consumer would cut back on, well, I'm going to wait another cycle or another year to trade up on the iPhone. Maybe that 
right? Why wouldn't you Instead wait? Of, you think you wouldn't? No, I'm saying it might be services, but it might also be the hardware part. I mean, we want the, serv- right. the services part, higher margin, obviously. Usually, right. Would, I'm just saying yeah. it's usually the yes. first thing. Okay, it's easier. Cut, it's right. easier it's to cut. Easier Absolutely. Thing. You can go through your phone, and right. I don't know what I ones don't, do I, I have that right. I don't I, That's true. That's true. I, I mean, the stock's been down a lot multiple times on similar kinds of things, just general sentiment as well, as well as, you know, just market sort of gunning for anything high multiple. This is high-ish. It's certainly a premium to the market, but it deserves somewhat of a premium. I don't know. We'll see what they say. I thought I thought it was decent. I like the strength and, you know, the hardware part. Services, not as good, but I, I don't know. Stock's down, what, 10, percent. 15%? Yeah. A per- oh, no, percent. From, right over now. the last over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I, part of it, first of all, that top line, we knew this was going to be record sales. We knew it was going to be record profits. And, and those ASPs are really helping the story a lot. And if you think about where we are relative to 2019, ASPs are, are up 9 to 10% uh, by my math. I, it gets back to, and I think Dan was going there with this. You know, he's talking about what growth you're getting and what you're getting in services. We, we used to be getting 20 to 25, much lower base on services. But 900 million subscribers, let's be clear. This is a massive, massive base. We talk about that all the time. But Apple's range on multiple over the last year has been between 22 and 30 times. It's trading closer to the upper end of that range. It's not at 30, but it's probably 26, 27. If you look at the street, they're still calling them 27 times. No way it should be trading here. Apple has not guided lower. They haven't told us anything. And everyone else is suffering in China. Why shouldn't Apple be? I, I just, we just haven't heard it yet. I would love to hear what Tim Cook says about a U.S.-China trade war. Or the yes. impact of potential retaliation. Why would he talk about that? View- that would be t- that would <laughs> not be. How he views that? Well, somebody should ask him. No bueno. <laughs> somebody should they ask will. him. Somebody should ask if, God forbid, something would happen with Taiwan, what and would Apple's just- stance be? Right. Ooh. That's a good question. No nobody comment. should ask him. No comment. So here's a hot take, just because why not? You deem it hot. Well, Self-proclaimed well, okay. hot. Okay, so, uh, so you be the jury <laughs> and okay. the judge there, right. why is so it So it's a take until it's deemed hot. I would say we're trying to figure out why Apple isn't lower. And listen, service is 21%, but to Dan's point, you're talking about 5% EPS growth, 5% revenue growth, declining margins. What do you pay for that? Not 26 times. I, I agree with Tim. Maybe people are coming into Apple on the back of this disaster that is Amazon. and it oh, be- it's an ATM. And it still is becoming this flight to quality in the form of Apple, which we've seen over and over again. So maybe Amazon's disaster actually works to Apple's benefit in the after hours. Just throwing it out there, please, at me on or, Twitter or if you think I'm a Amazon jerk. Or Amazon plus Meta plus Alphabet. Combined. Yeah, it's 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 the general right. falling. I mean, it's it's re-questioning that 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 big cap trade, and, and I think yes. it's something that, that we've talked about. Just one point to the big cap trade. Meta was down. Obviously, the spend is di- really disappointing, but the multiple going into that print was below the market multiple by a lot. Right. Whereas Amazon was above the market multiple by a lot. So the idea that that you know the multiple would get hit a little, as well as earnings getting hit, that makes more sense to me. All right, let's uh, bring in Gene Munster, managing partner at venture capital firm Loop Ventures. Gene, great to get your take. Um, I don't know where you want to start. A lot to talk about. Amazon, you didn't think it was as bad as, as the stock reaction is. Why? Yeah, Melissa, normally this would be down 5 or 10%. Down 15 seems like an overreaction. Uh, the unit paid unit growth continued to be strong. I was impressed by that. It was up 11% year over year. And I just beg the question to the the panel, the group, uh, what ultimately, this is being painted as some horrible guidance. What was so horrible about the guidance? 
Well, I mean, how about their best call, their best quarter? You're talking about two to eight percent growth. And, and arguably, we still should be coming out. Everyone's telling us that the consumer's never been healthier. And at least right now, that hasn't been the story. So um, the, the other dynamic is on AWS, though. I mean, isn't that really where uh, the market is punishing the stock? It is. It grew at 27 percent versus 33, 35 percent in previous quarters. It's a deceleration, but I just want to just put that in the context that, uh, you know, we're seeing decelerations across the board. This is bad. And I think the biggest takeaway from Amazon is the generals are being shot. And this is a mistake that I've made. Uh, we own Amazon. A mistake that I've made is being thinking that there was some safety in some of these large cap tech companies. And ultimately, what we're seeing is, uh, you know, my general view is that it wasn't the guidance wasn't that bad. But that doesn't matter. What matters is that it was a, a subtraction key. They hit the subtraction key. And that's not what investors want to see. And I'll just point out one further piece. I'm still a believer in Amazon. I think what they're building around logistics is something that uh, no one else can compete with. But I do uh, point out, I do want to point out that even with these lower numbers, this is still going to be, even with the stock down 15%, still a relatively expensive stock. And so you really have to have a view of kind of what's one, two, three years out when you're thinking about investing in Amazon. I think that this was, uh, the guidance wasn't that bad, but I think what was uh, really bad is just the read on how investors are thinking about large cap tech more broadly. So Gene, does that make you worried about Apple and the guidance that we haven't had yet? And if that guidance is kind of lukewarm and it's not conservative, and, and, and Karen just said that, you thought the Amazon guidance was conservative. If Apple's guidance is not conservative, does it give you more confidence that maybe they're doing better than some of their large cap peers? Or does it actually leave the question mark open for the next quarter? I actually think they're doing better. And let me put some context in terms of Apple's results. The big uh, focus point, of course, is iPhone. It was up 10% year over year. The street was looking for 12% growth. That, by definition, is a miss. It was up against a 47% comp, massive comp. Other big companies weren't uh, producing off that comp. And separately, Cook, through uh, CNBC's uh, reporting, is talking about them still being supply constrained. That was not a surprise to me. As of today, we're still seeing three to four weeks lead times in eight countries around their pro models. Typically, six weeks into the cycle, where we're at right now, you would see lead times around one week. And so when I put this together, and you just have to peel back below the layers, when I put Apple's results together, it's quite remarkable that they're able to grow uh, at 10% off of 47% comp with the iPhone, and it probably would have been a better number. Uh, the Mac, they beat expectations by 25%. It's a 10% of the business. Uh, the iPad was, uh, was, was soft. It was down, I think, 17%. But that's going to see a big rebound in December with the updates that they just did to iPad. And so when I think you put all this together, what's the simple takeaway with Apple? is we're dependent on their products. And ultimately is whether things are difficult. Yes, there's going to be some softness in services and there's going to be some edge around what's going to happen with iPad. But as we become more and more dependent on their products, they're going to keep powering through. And I think this stock is going to surprise people over the next couple of years. One last piece is we're talking about what's going on today. If we start thinking forward two years, three years down the road, what other things that Apple's working on, whether it's going to be something in uh, dare I say, the metaverse, mixed reality, augmented reality, or something in automotive, that's just another game changer to the multiple. So I actually left feeling that this company is as strong as ever. All right, Gene, thank you. We'll check back with you a little bit later on. 
uh, this hour. The stock is virtually flat in the after hours session at this point, Guy. We're dependent on food, oxygen, and to a certain point, you know, love, love, love and water. Guy. That's what we're yeah. dependent on. We think we're dependent okay. upon Apple, and that's the genius of what they've done. They've convinced everybody who thinks we can't live without them, number one. I'm not looking to add Gene, but that's just my quick takeaway. Amazon, real quick, and this is them talking. They're looking at their cost structure and where, in areas where we can save money. What does that mean? It means people are going to get laid off, which probably plays right into the narrative the Fed is hoping for. But again, that's the environment that we find ourselves. So spread it out. If this economy is as great as everybody you know, wants to say, it's not that great. And things seemingly are getting worse. And Amazon is telling you exactly that. All right. Coming up with the earnings, keep on rolling in. Intel and Pinterest both jumping after reports. We'll bring you the numbers next. Plus, the Dow managing to close in the green. An interesting trend is emerging. We'll explain what you should be watching. We'll break that down when Fast Money returns. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX. Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. Another earnings alert on Pinterest. Shares jumping after a big beat on the top and the bottom lines. Julia Borson's got all the details. Julia. That's right, Melissa. Pinterest shares up about 9% after the company beat across the board, showing that its focus on discovery and then shopping for those things you've discovered is paying off. Adjusted earnings of 11 cents was 5 cents better than estimated, while revenue of $685 million was $18 million better than analyst projections. The company's user base returned to growth for the first time since the first quarter, adding more monthly active users than anticipated. But unlike Snap and Meta, Pinterest's average monthly average revenue per user beat projections, showing that ad revenue growth 
is beating user growth. The company also guided to revenue growth in the mid-single digits for the fourth quarter. That was higher than anticipation, saying that on the call, saying just now on the call that they are investing in the most valuable areas of the platform and they intend to return to margin expansion next year. Pinterest growth and this bullish outlook all comes down to its increasing focus on shopping. That has been the mission of CEO Bill Reddy since he took over the company in June. He's talked a lot about the value of the fact, a lot about the fact that people are coming to Pinterest to look for things to buy. That means it's an incredibly powerful platform. Now they're making on Pinterest everything, all of those products actionable. So every product you can you see on Pinterest, you can now buy on Pinterest. So that's the key thing here. And now we see shares up about 10%. Melissa. Wow, Julia, thank you. And uh, by the way, don't miss the CEO Pinterest on Mad Money. That's tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Um, in terms of revenue per user, average revenue per user was up 15 percent in the U.S. and Canada, up 11 percent globally. So there's that that shopping, that actionable aspect that was the, the lever that Pinterest was able to pull. Well, and, and I think if you look at how defensive it's been to some of its peers, it's a combination of both profitability and margin. It's a combination of Bill Ready. It's a, it's a combination of not having the same exposure to Apple and iOS as, and, and TikTok as competition. So, I mean, I think these are things that actually this stock's been outperforming for, for a whole quarter. It's not like this is just a number where it's popping. You're seeing short covering. This is actually real. Yeah. It's actually interesting to me. They're talking like things are really good, or, or it, right? It's like they live in a different world. I know they do seem to live <laughs> in a different world. If if I were that, things must be really good because they have such a past now to say. You know, it's it's a cloudy environment. We don't really know. We're happy with our results, but you know, we'll see how things play out. They sound more positive than that, so they must be feeling very confident. All right, let's go to another earnings report here. Um, Intel, that call kicked off top of the hour, so we're 25 minutes in. Shares moving higher in earnings and revenue beat. The chipmaker also announcing it will cut costs by $10 billion over the next three years. Christina Partsnevelis has been on that call. Christina, what's the latest? The latest. Well, we are not satisfied with our results. That's how Pat Gelsinger started off Intel's conference call. Uh, despite revenue guidance that you mentioned falling short of expectations, the stock is actually rising right now. So what gives? The pain may have been priced in. We know already PC sales week, AMD stealing market share. But Gelsinger warning on the call right now that enterprise is also starting to slow and that the inventory correction is continuing, but, quote, not as quickly as forecasted. The company plans, like you said, $3 billion in cost cutting for next year, more in, in 2025 as as well, up to uh, 8 to $10 billion. Uh, and this comes at the expense of employees. Gelsinger saying right now on the call, quote, these are difficult decisions affecting our loyal Intel employees. However, we still don't know how many are going to be laid off. And given Intel has committed $100 billion in building out fabs in the United States, it announced a joint partnership with Brookfield Asset Management previously in August, with Brookfield investing up to $30 billion in the Arizona fab. And that means they would share in future revenue. And now today, Intel plans to add even more of these co investment deals. And then lastly, Intel also treating its fabs now as contract chip makers, signing MediaTek earlier this summer and Gelsinger saying on the call right now that the new foundry business will help accelerate their transformation. Mel? Christina, thank you. Uh, Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger will be on Tech Check tomorrow morning, so you want to check that out. Interesting, they, they seem to be moving more towards, a, for lack of a better term, an asset light sort of model where they're sort of off 
offloading the costs of building out these plants in some way, shape, or form? Yeah, I mean, that was one of the big initiatives when Gelsinger yeah. came in here. And, and again, it just takes time to do that. And I'll just say, you look at the stock, you know, the 10-year low is down there at 20 bucks. It's uh, trading at about 26 and a quarter. You, we can get in the valuation. You can get in all the cost cutting or whatever. I just think you have probably risk down 20% in this thing to that kind of $20 level. Um, and you probably have 100% upside. This is like if you're going to take a multi-year view. And, and again, no one's going to be able to pick the exact bottom in this sort of stuff. But I think this sort of market and these sorts of disconnections that we are seeing in some very big stocks are giving you, I think, generational opportunities as long as you think that this company can start executing better, have a better cost structure, and take back market share from guys like AMD who've been eating their lunch for the last couple of years. Yeah, guy. Fourth quarter guide, I mean, 20 cents EPS, Street was looking for 70 cents. That's no good. Data center, which is very important, down 35% year over year. That's not good. Operating margins, 10.8%. They were 28.8% a year ago. Now, you're going to say a lot of that's in the stock, without question. Things are not going all that well at Intel. Now, relief rally, yes, and to Dan's point, now you're looking at maybe 5 bucks lower, and maybe you get 10 15 to the upside, but nothing's been fixed at Intel on this quarter. And yeah, guys. and speaking to Dan's point, I mean, it's definitely cheap. It's 11 and a half times. I'll simply say that this is a company that's appeared broken over the last four or five years, so you might get that downside, but uh, 5% dividend yield, PC's been priced into the moon, so uh, as in to the floor, and therefore it's there. All right, we're keeping an eye on all of these after-hours movers. Amazon's conference call kicking off in just a couple minutes. Minutes will bring you any headlines. Plus, the chief twits appearing ready to oh. close the deal on Twitter on what he told advertisers and staff about his plans for the social stock. By the way, it's getting booted out of the S&P 500. No surprise. We'll tell you who replaces that. You're watching Fast Money Live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. Back right after this. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create like Olu Shehi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. The Dow pulling off another day of gains today. Even as the other indices pulled back, the industrials now up five days in a row on pace for a fourth straight week of gains. And the outperformance extends far beyond just today. This week, this month, and this year, the Dow handily beating the S&P thanks to strength in healthcare and energy against the Nasdaq. It is seeing its best month since 2002. Tim, you're, you know, it's funny because we usually say, eh, who watches the, the Dow? But well, we, 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 tend to, we tend to poo-poo the Dow. Yeah. First of all, a... a Price-weighted index seems kind of ludicrous to me, and, mm-hmm. and in fact, I think it is. But, but we know what it means, and we know that healthcare and energy have been a big part of this. Energy still less than a 5% weighting in the S&P. What it's telling me, and I would combine that with looking at the ratio of do the, do the math or do the ratio of the triple Qs divided by the SPY, so NASDAQ divided by S&P, and you can see a NASDAQ that continues to make lower lows against the S&P. In fact, it's underperformed at 13% this year. It's underperformed by about 8%. And the news we've had this week from the generals, whatever, I mean, this is where we remember we said value over growth well you know it's taken some time to play out but it's no question what we're seeing and i think if you look at and one of these days carter will probably graph this again because he does it all the time we're getting near very important support levels on the nasdaq to the s&p all right we want to get straight back to apple the stock is down 1.7 percent headlines out of the call uh gene monster what are you hearing monster what are you hearing Melissa, I'm hearing that they're talking about a deceleration in revenue growth from September to December. 
Those words do not sit well with investors. As I look at my model here, that's what the street's looking for. Uh, previously, the street, uh, or they just reported about 6.5% revenue growth in September, uh, a deceleration. The street is at 4% as it stands uh, right now. He did not say it would go negative. So I think when you kind of piece that together, it essentially was guiding in line, but don't like the word to hear deceleration. They also don't like to hear significant deceleration related to the Mac business uh, that uh, we just talked about how strong it was. They probably pulled forward some demand relative to that. But I think that the substance of this, again, is essentially they maintain guidance, but used language around it. Uh, importantly, the earnings piece, uh, the profitability, the margin, they basically guided to exactly what it was a year ago, 40, it's probably gonna end up being about 43.5%, exactly what it was in December. I mean, just rock solid. Uh, but again, in this environment, when you start using words like deceleration, I suspect there's going to be, there's, we're just one question into the call right now. There'll be more questions just to clarify what he meant by deceleration. And I think the street's probably going to, the numbers are probably going to be unchanged tomorrow morning. Um, okay, so deceleration of revenue from November to December, a substantial uh, decline in, in MAC revenues, Gene, is that right? Correct. Into the uh, correct. Quarter. The, the overall revenue from September from September quarter to December deceleration. That's what the streets okay. modeling for going into this. And the Mac down significantly. Max ten percent of business. Uh, but even with that down uh, significantly, they did highlight too. Luca highlighted a ten percent FX headwind. But I don't want to give companies credit for it when it's good or or beat up for them when it's bad. So I'll just leave that out of the conversation. All right, uh, Gene, keep us posted. Thank you, Gene Munster. Thank you. All right, so all important holiday quarter, and we are going to see a deceleration in revenue. How do you wrap your head around that, Karen? Well, I, I'm not sure if revenue is a post-FX revenue or, or pre. If it's pre. Intentionally yeah. vague, possibly. I don't know. That's not good. Well, 10% sounds like a lot compared to what we've heard from, from multinationals. Okay, so like intentionally vague, possibly. Well, they, they're going to have to. Fess up. I don't think they're hiding it. I feel like I just don't know the answer. Wait, I don't know right. if that means it's, Again, we're yeah. one question into yeah. the call, so I'm right. sure there's going to be a lot more details. But right now, it's it's not it's not positive what we're hearing. No, and, and I, I, I would underweight the impact of FX. Maybe I'm wrong on this, but for a company like this that's not necessarily paying you high div, they're not paying you at the cash all the time, although they're better than most tech, um, that FX headwind I think is going to be a tailwind. So that's just, I'm out there on that. I, I, I want to hear about real weakness. And, and yeah. you know, that's the start of it. Where is the weakness? They see Mac weakness. Are they going to see iPhone weakness? Remember back in July, Tim Cook had said they were not seeing any sort of yeah. impact from macro yet. So what what is this slowdown attributed to at this point? I don't know, because I I mean, 20 minutes ago, they were talking about not having enough supply to meet. Demand was off the charts. So there is some, look, Apple's a great company. These are staggering numbers they put up every single quarter. The, the, what we try to point out is they're getting rewarded for it in the form of their valuation. And you have to wonder, they're not impervious to what's going on in the world. At a certain point, they fall under the same thing that the rest of these companies do. It's not an indictment. It's just a reality. Now, 130 was the recent low. That seems reasonable to me. I think the fact that it's holding up here is a good sign. But then I would submit you really want Apple to create it because that will probably be the last leg of this thing. That's the reset. That's the reset. Yeah. Exactly All right. right. Um, we'll keep track of what's going on in the Apple call. Meantime, Meta's mega meltdown, the stock losing a quarter of its value in just one day as Mark Zuckerberg sticks to his guns full speed ahead on the metaverse. If there's no pivot, does the stock become a no touch? We'll ask if our traders will be throwing in the towel on this one. Plus, from the virtual world to the real world, 
tractors, fighter planes, and the savory McRib. Mm. <laughs> the movers and moved are traders in today's action. We'll break it all down and maybe wash it down when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Meta just melting down today, losing a quarter of its value. The company has now lost $800 billion in market cap in just over a year. That is more than the value of Tesla. That drop uh, in part because Mark Zuckerberg is sticking to his guns. Remember, he changed the name of the company to Meta as he pivoted the social media giant to the still non-existent Metaverse. This despite the challenging ad and economic environment. And he's sticking by the spend on Metaverse, even though the return on that spend hasn't been paying off so far. Listen to what our own Jim Cramer had to say about Facebook this morning. I made a mistake here. I was wrong. I trusted this management team. That was ill-advised. Hubris here is extraordinary. And I apologize. First of all, kudos to Jim for just coming clean on that, just saying that he thinks he got it wrong. And I think it takes a, a lot to, to sort of admit that on national television to everybody out there. Uh, we, we play this clip mainly because this really sort of encapsulates what a lot of investors are feeling right now, and that is a crisis of confidence. Can you still trust the management team? Can you still trust the vision of Mark Zuckerberg? And if you don't, what are the, what's the recourse? Because Mark Zuckerberg is CEO for life. And he life controls it with those voting shares, to, too. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I'm long, so clearly yeah. I was wrong as well and been wrong for quite some time. However, I don't think that Mark has said, I'm going to cut expenses. You watch. I will. And then he didn't, right? So I don't feel like he's lied to us. The question, though, is, is he, is he pursuing the right path? That's, a de- that's, that's mm-hmm. the more important question, I think. If you look at when they announced this, this was in November of last year when money was free, right, which it is no longer free, when the, the business model of we're going to go after growth and we're going to just lose money for years until we get there, that was acceptable then. Okay. Okay, that's no longer acceptable now. Now, he doesn't need to change anything. It's, I, as we said, entirely up to him. I, I don't know. I, I, at first I was saying oh, a year ago, all right, give him the benefit of the doubt. He's made a lot of changes that have worked out over time. But now this one has been so costly. So the, yeah. the question is, if, if he comes out and says, I'm, I'm killing off the metacurse or the metaverse, I'll call it the metacurse, um, what would happen to the stock? And I think what Karen is saying is that, that, that the expenditures that are attached to this are things that at least uh, investors have to believe in. By the way, that's an Amazon model of a decade ago um, that Amazon was rewarded for. So I get why they think they can do it. But I, I would just get back to this is a hundred dollar stock. Uh, when it was a hundred dollar stock on the way up, it had one billion DAUs. It has 2.3, 2.4 billion DAUs now. So it's a much bigger base. It's a more profitable company. I just think they need to get back to what they do. Jim they mentioned to do something with the DAUs. Which right. they, I mean, I mean Pinterest has figured they still it out. Make a bunch of money. But yeah, yeah, still, I mean, right. Pinterest has clearly figured it out. We talked about that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, again, but there are ways to figure this environment out. Kudos to Pinterest. Hubris, the word Jim used, spot on. They've now burned through almost $800 billion of market cap in a year. That's a staggering. I mean, it's how even much hard. did they spend on the metaverse? 
They lost no, eight well, hold on, hold, hold on, hold on. Okay. Okay. So the stock went from two hundred and twenty-five dollars to three hundred and seventy-five dollars, having really nothing to do mm-hmm. other than the company executing in a difficult environment during the pandemic. Right. Okay. That's on investors. Okay. Now investors have the choice to vote with their shares, and that's what they've been doing since his pivot. And he, as the super voting, you know what I mean, like, like the owner of the thing. I mean, he has a fiduciary responsibility. He's doing. If he changed his course right now, that would be disastrous. Okay, so to your point, they have two billion daily active users. They have three billion monthly active users. That's a third of the planet. They have WhatsApp. They have all these different levers to pull here. The blue page they know is going away here. I mean, to me, I bought the stock on the opening today. You know, you did. I, yeah, because I'm like looking do you at want, this but, thing. So I think you're right. Except for, do you want to see them spend an, another fifty billion dollars? Well, you on just the said it yourself, and I was thinking the same thing. This is what Jeff Bezos did. And he just said, you know, all the naysayers for, you know what I mean? For right. years and years. And so if Mark Zuckerberg is one of those visionaries and he may be, you know, he almost had a trillion dollar market cap company. You know, I mean, I think this thing, the risk reward, again, I think you have 25 percent downside. It'd have to be a really funky market. This is not going the way of MySpace. I mean, it's just not. But I don't. I don't think the market would punish them for moving away from the metaverse. I actually think the stock would be rewarded, and I don't think they lose credibility, even though I hear you. Moving um, this away is, also can mean just spending less yeah. on it in this environment. Yeah. And they'll do that now. at a time when they reach an inflection point based on their internal things. Again, I don't love him as a manager. I don't love the company and their products. When you look at this and you look at just some of the data, some of the, you know, everything about the company, their user base, their profitability, the margins that they have. I mean, to your point, they're going to have $28 billion in net income this year on $115 billion in sales. So to me, I don't think you leave this story right now, even if you've been there. And I think it's really attractive from, you know, with fresh eyes. Do you feel better that Dana said you're doing the right thing? Yes, I actually agree with him. <laughs> if I own none, would I start to think, wow, I never thought we would see Facebook at 11 times earnings, whatever right. it is. Yeah. So Netflix was down the same amount. Right. This is down 75%. It's just rallied 100%. Okay? I mean, my point is you're getting opportunities. The show's called Fast Money. And sometimes if you think about it through the Fast Money lens, but you also have a view about what the future might be two, three years out, you're not only going to have great generational investing opportunities, you're going to have some great trading opportunities too. Coming up, it's not just after hours action. A couple of big names moving after earnings this morning. We'll break down the stocks. Worth a look next and let this sink in. Musk looking like he's actually going to close his Twitter deal. What he had to say about the future of the social space, Fast Money is back into. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time now for our check-in on some of the names that reported earnings before the bell. First up, Caterpillar jumping more than 7%. Best day since March of 2020. The company beating on the top and the bottom lines, crediting healthy demand across most categories. Stock adding roughly 100 points to the Dow today, Tim. Yeah, I, I tell you what, those Caterpillar numbers were interesting because we've heard a lot about demand issues, and I think they're cautious on the world, but they've talked about commodity input prices and why that is why the stock is moving higher, because they see investment in commodities and in mining. And I think in Caterpillar's case, they do go higher. All right, McDonald's, meantime, getting more than 3% after beating on the top and the bottom lines for the third quarter. The fast food giant also seeing same-store sales jump by nearly 10%, even after raising prices on its menu items. Guy. We're talking about a stock, again, within a hair of its all-time high. We've been talking about McDonald's for a while. Yes, it's expensive, but it's expensive to the broader market. Compared to itself, it's reasonable. And I think this quarter backs up everything we've been saying. I think this stock can continue to grind higher on a benign to decent tape. All right, coming up, Chief Twit in the building. The Musk Twitter deal nearing a possible close, but the Tesla CEO told advertisers today about his plans for the company. And could there be even more gains in store for the energy trade? How often traders 
are playing Exxon ahead of earnings tomorrow. That is next when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. The self-proclaimed chief twit closing in on his deal to buy Twitter. Elon Musk tweeting a message to advertisers today saying Twitter obviously cannot become a free for all hellscape where anything can be said with no consequences. Musk adding that he did not buy Twitter to make more money. I did it to try to help humanity whom I love. The Tesla CEO apparently back at the company's San Francisco headquarters today. Yesterday, he posted a video of himself carrying in for some reason. A porcelain sink looks like a bathroom sink to me. By the way, take a look at shares of Arch Capital. The specialty insurance company will replace Twitter in the S&P 500 tomorrow. Dan, um, you were betting that the deal would not close. Yeah, I've had two trades in the last month. One was very profitable. One was a big loser. They matched each other off. I was risking what I was willing to lose. I'll just say this. When I read that thing today, that scares me. This is the richest man in the world. He's obviously um, does whatever the hell he wants. He's got this vehicle now that he thinks is going to save the world because he loves humanity. If that doesn't scare all of you, I don't know what would. And that's all I'd have to say about Twitter because after tomorrow, we don't have to talk about it anymore in Fast Money. This is exorcised, Dan, tonight. It, it yeah. really is. I mean, I, I didn't read it that way. Really? Um, yeah. He's got a God complex. He's doing this for all of us because he loves all of us. He's the richest man in the world. Hey, you know what? You know what? Because, you know what? And because it's become a cesspool. I said this on Twitter. We were promised Tony Stark. And you know what we got? We got a Bond villain. Ooh. Well, doing it for humanity is not why he's doing it. So, you know, I'm not if we take words out of Elon's mouth at face value, we would have chased a lot of deals that never got done. Maybe this one will. All right. Um, let's check out ExxonMobil. Meantime, switching gears, <laughs> continuing its climb this week. The oil stock now up a whopping 77 percent this year. Option traders could be betting on even more gains heading into year's end. Mike Coe's got the action. Mike. Yeah, so right now, Exxon Options implying a move about 3.4%, higher than the 2.7% that it's averaged over the last eight quarters. Calls outpacing puts, and it traded about 1.3 times the average daily call volume. The weekly 110s were most active, but there was longer dated trades as well. We saw a buyer of 1,000 of the December 120 calls paying a $1.68 contract. The buyer of those options betting that the stock could rally 12.5% or more by December expiration. All right. Um, ExxonMobil, Guy. All-time high. I think it continues to go higher. We've said a crude can stay at these prices for the next year, and Conoco, Exxon, Chevron will go higher in this environment. So stay with the name. All right. Mike Coe, thank you for more Options Action. Tune into the full show. When is that, Guy? Uh, 5.30 on Fridays, Mom, unless when there's some Fugazi holiday. No, 5.30 tomorrow. See you then. Oh, tomorrow. Uh, up yeah. next, meantime, final trades. Welcome back to Fast Money. Let's get another check on all the stocks reporting earnings after the bell tonight. Amazon uh, off the lows of the session. The CFO saying AWS revenue growth slowed at the end of the quarter and that it could carry into Q4. Stock is down 14.5%. Apple is now higher, up eight-tenths of a percent. Um, the conference call is about an hour in. So far, we know that there will be a deceleration in revenue growth uh, from this the past quarter into calendar year fourth quarter. Uh, Intel, meantime, we're checking on that. It is up 5.6%, holding on to that gain after saying it's planned uh, $10 billion in cost cuts over the next three years. Pinterest, this is one that is uh, really bucking the trend here, um, up by 9.4% after uh, the company missed estimates, but uh, it said that it's it's growing in terms of average revenue per user and sort of the commerce aspect of the site. T-Mobile raising its forecast for subscriber ads. Uh, that stock is up 3%. Gilead is adding 4.5% after hours, giving upbeat forecasts as COVID drug uh, sales drop. 
Time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Tim. Uh, beer trends are accelerating at Budweiser. Margin improvement, Budweiser. Karen? Yeah, after a huge run up in banks, in the short term, I'd sell some Bank America upside calls. Dan? Yeah, Meta, I think you start picking at it on the one. Guy. Love, I love exercise, Dan. Pinterest on the ARPU, Melons. Uh-huh. Thanks for watching Fast. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.